When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go, Draft Mix. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Draft Nation. My name is Joe 412, and I'll be your host again for the next 30 minutes. Uh, before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. And for those of you who have not listened to our show before, Draft Nation is a national e-magazine. Uh, and just by the name, I'm certain you can tell that we, we are hyper-focused on all four major sports and the professional draft. So if you're here to listen to player scouting, mock drafts, free agency, some of the salary cap provisions, uh, and uh, obviously the, the, the needs of your favorite teams, that's what we're doing. And tonight I've got a bit of a roundtable we put together with uh, you know a few names that you'll recognize returning to the show. Uh, David Alexander and Leo Haggerty, welcome back, gents. Uh, looking forward to having a, a a discussion tonight about college football, pro football, and a little bit of the NBA. Uh, so let me turn it over to David first. David, tell everybody where you're from and where they can find you. Thanks, Joe. First of all, uh, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Dave Alexander, currently living in Denver, Colorado. Uh, got involved in uh, working with scouting through my, my longtime friend, Leo Haggerty. Uh, I was involved with Blessed OV for many years, and I've worked with Night Sports and a bunch of other organizations over the past couple of years as well, too. So it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Leo, how about you? Well, you know, David and I grew up next to each other uh, back in uh, 1966. We started uh, with Stratomatic Baseball. And I'll tell you what, guys, that's, <laughs> that's, that's going way back. <laughs> and uh, I end up being the uh, – Dave was the home team scout for the Baltimore Ravens. I became the home team scout for Blesco. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after working with Tom Hepler in our lad scouting service. And uh, we started night sports production and amped up sports. And David's been one of the, as we like to say, the original six that came on. And uh, I got to give him credit. One time he came on uh, for our draft show and he said, there's going to be 10 defensive linemen drafted in the first round. And, oh, he got crucified by the national media and all those, you know, so-called experts. And, yeah, he was wrong. There was 11 drafted. So <laughs> I gave him credit for that one. 
Well, tell you what, guys, I'm not going to make you feel bad and tell you that I wasn't born yet when you guys first met. So that, <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> I, that 1966 number, I don't know what that's all about. That's a long time ago. But uh, I well, do kind of know what's going on. It's when baseball, dinosaurs walked the earth. Well, anyway, gentlemen, you ready to go on the clock tonight with Draft Nation? Let's yeah, do let's it. do it. All right, well, let's start with NFL football. Uh, Leo, you brought it up, uh, and I'm going to break these two questions up, and I'm going to I'm going to ask David first. David, who do you think the contenders are? And then Leo, I'm going to have you come back after he's done speaking and tell us who the pretenders are. So, David, why, why don't you, uh, you know, looking at what you've seen now, we're through week seven in the NFL. You know, obviously, I think that you know we we can see which teams are for real and which teams have a long way to go. Uh, but in your mind's eye, who who are the real contenders here for another Super Bowl? Well, I think, uh, and again, it's you, you always you're always leery of looking at uh, the teams that were in the previous Super Bowl coming back. But I think right now, Kansas City, although they're not firing at all cylinders, I certainly think coming off the, the win over the Chargers last weekend, uh, they're sort of rounding into form. Uh, there's and particularly their defense. I, if that defense continues to play the the way they're playing right now, Kansas City is going to be tough. And again, I think what Philadelphia did uh, to Miami was really, really impressive. They seem to be rounding into shape as well, too. Uh, even with the number of injuries in the defensive backfield, uh, I like Philly and Kansas City. Right below them, and again, you're always sort of coming off what you see. Uh, the way the Ravens played this last week, um, if, if they could put that first half in a time capsule, uh, it was really, really impressive what the Ravens are doing right now. So those are sort of the three teams. San Francisco scuffling a bit. Uh, the Lions getting beat up a bit. I think you're, you, you've got probably Philly and Kansas City at the top. The Ravens just below them. Those would be probably my top three right now with a number of other teams sort of jockeying at the next level below them. So those would be my contenders right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you, you, you said it. I said it prior to the season. I think this is going to be a repeat. I think we're going to have a, a rematch of the, the Chiefs and, and the Eagles, uh, you know, as we, we head into the the next Super Bowl. Now, you're right. I mean, the Ravens are playing really well. And, you know, I – what they did to the Lions was a total dismantling. That was ridiculous. Uh, they really yeah, and, you know, took it to them. What was it, 35 nothing by half or whatever it was? It, it was, was 20, 28 nothing, 28 nothing and a half. They went up 35 nothing and then uh, sort of coasted for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we talked about the, the, the redesigned offense under Todd Munkin and, you know, trying to get Lamar to do a variety of different things. And you saw all that in the first half of the game. It was, it was a remarkable performance. I mean, they played okay, but – this this is the Ravens team and everybody's expected. And if they can continue to maintain this level, again, some players back from injuries and those things as well, too, uh, they're going to be tough to beat. Again, I think yeah, that's the always been their Achilles heel the injuries. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, think, that, I think that that's the problem. It's always going to be about the injuries. Uh, San Francisco two weeks ago dismantled Dallas, but they've, they've had a bunch of injuries since then and now have lost two in a row. So injuries are always going to be part of the, the equation that we can't plan for but you certainly have to take into consideration that once the games start again. Yeah, you know, and Leo, um, look, there's a lot of teams that aren't in. I mean, we don't have to spend time talking about the Arizona Cardinals or uh, the Chicago Bears or the Denver Broncos here. But you know, in terms of teams that I think were were considered contenders at the beginning of the season, and or teams that were considered contenders. Uh, even in the early part of the season, which of those have turned into pretenders? Which of those are you surprised at how poorly they've been playing or have dug themselves into a hole where you think they just can't get themselves out? 
Well, the Minnesota Vikings is the perfect example. And the funny thing is, Joe, is Minnesota had the worst luck in their first four games. They had fumbles on their own. The guard ran into the quarterback, their own player. Uh, Jefferson fumbles it out of bounds against the Eagles on the goal line. So, yeah. But, again, the nice thing about the NFL is you got – 17 games, you can turn it around. But Minnesota now is, is in the, the pretender category, may go to contender. And looking at the AFC, it's got to be the Chargers because everybody was all excited about more coming over as that offensive coordinator. He was going to get Herbert. He was going to turn that offense around. And, you know, the thing about the Chargers is their September is always a house of hearts. If they're one and three, Oh, and four. You're not surprised because they just don't play well in September. But they're, they're, and, and they're in the wrong division. I mean, you're fighting Kansas City <laughs> twice a year, and and that's not an easy road to hoe. So, I would say that you know the Chargers are the ones everybody was expecting, and Dallas and uh, anybody in the NFC South. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny that. Um... You, I, you, you attached Dallas there at the end. Uh, I'm in that camp, too. Like, I don't think that they can get over the top with Dak Prescott. I, I think that he's sort of their Kirk Cousins in the same way Kirk is is that for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think Dak might be a little flashier. Uh, you know, you're always flashier when you're, you're wearing a Dallas Cowboy helmet. Uh, I just think that, you know, that's like the whoever the Dallas Cowboy quarterback is is America's quarterback, and, and I think Dak has – He's, he's, an, he's an above-average quarterback, but he just hasn't been able to put them over the top. And I, I think for me, my biggest disappointment in the season in terms of pretenders has been the Buffalo Bills. Like, I, I, I can't figure out, like, one week they're dominating, you know, and they come in and put a whooping on uh, the, the Dolphins. And then the next week they don't even show up in London, you know, or they struggle against, you know, they lose in the last minute to the Patriots and, you know, I, I just don't get it. And I think the second one, the, the one that's been secondly as disappointing uh, as I expected more from them was the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I realize that there's some injury things there, uh, and they're likely going to be correcting them. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I just am surprised that, you know, they're, what, <laughs> three and three and tooling around at the, the bottom of the uh, the uh, you know, ASC Central and, and things like that. But, Anyway, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk. This is a draft show, so let's talk prospects or former prospects in this case. Uh, David, I'll start with you, and then Leo. I'm going to come back to you on this one. Uh, but who has become the best NFL prospect at quarterback out of this draft class? Uh, you know, is it is it too obvious to say Stroud, or is there someone else that's creeping around that we should be paying attention to? I know Will Levis might get a a bit of a start if if uh, Tannehill goes. Uh, can't go this weekend, but you know, is it is it Stroud in a runaway, or who is it that's the best in this class? Well, Stroud's certainly been the most consistent, and again, I think he's benefited um, from uh, a, a brand new coaching staff, quite frankly. So everybody's sort of starting anew in Houston, which I think, quite frankly, is benefiting him. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I didn't think I've never held Ohio State quarterbacks in high regard. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's shown a lot of polish, uh, doesn't seem to panic, uh, seems to know where he wants the ball to go. Yeah, he's been uh, head and shoulders the best so far. I, 
again, I'm leery. Again, we're going to show our age here, Leo. But, you know, there was a time when, you know, rookie quarterbacks didn't get off the bench for at least the first year, maybe two years of their career, and now we we throw them in the deep end of the pool. Uh, so I'm always leery of saying, you know, this guy is a failure, didn't get, didn't get the job done. But Stroud certainly is 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 the class of of, uh, of the rookie class, at least this year so far. Now, again, you know, we're six, seven games in. Um, let's see what happens with some of the other guys that are out there. But, yeah, right now, C.J. Stroud be the guy. Leo, do you agree? Yeah, and the problem is I got to agree by default because uh, Richardson's down, Levis hasn't played yet, and the poor guy at Carolina, he's got nothing around him. And again, I as I told you when I first came on, I like his intellect, I don't like his size, just because <laughs> you know you look at the NFL quarterbacks. If you're not six two, six three, six four, or taller, you got a problem because they're going to have to roll you out. They're going to have to get you around and everything. And you know, David brings up a great point there, Joe. And when I first started in scouting with our last scouting service, I was lucky to get under the tutorage of Carmen Perone. Rest his soul. He was the head scout for the uh, uh, New Orleans Saints. And I said, Carmen, what's the one thing I need to know? He said, the guy he drafted in the first round has got to start. And he goes, but there's a caveat. If it's a quarterback, you can sit him and let him learn. That has changed completely now. That that quarterback has got to play. And I think it's really hurting and stifling a lot of development of these quarterbacks coming out. Yeah, I think that, you know, in part, it's because of the short lifespan of coaches and GMs. Uh, I think that there's a win now attitude permeates the league expectation among fans. And we've even seen the the plug pulled on coaching staffs and GMs a year or two in. Uh, And so sometimes when you're drafting a guy that has talent, but needs to be developed and uh, you know, Richardson might be a perfect example of that. Uh, where the guy looks like Cam Newton, plays like Cam Newton, just doesn't have the, the you know, he's he's depending on his legs, uh, and it got him in trouble, and he got injured uh, as, as a me, result of that. I mean, but you know, are we talking about this? The say, is it because they're afraid that they don't have the 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 shelf life here, and we've got to win now, regardless, and I owe it to the rest of the team, regardless, or is this something that? Uh, you know, is it just that, you know, they've got in, – in the case of Richardson, there wasn't anybody in front of them. They brought in Minshew as a as a safety valve, and they, they've had to turn it on. Uh, you know, but in, – in, you know, is, is, is this – what we're looking at here is just because the league has changed so much and there is a, 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 a must-win-now kind of thing going on there? Joe, oh, can I offer – let me – real ahead. quickly, let me just offer sort of another theory to this. The uh, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl on a rookie. Uh, 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 Russell Wilson was on a rookie contract when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, um, which meant they were able to invest a lot of resources in a lot of other positions, uh, and still were able to sort of save money to get Russell to the second contract. I wonder if that had an impact as well too. Now Russell Wilson, for whatever we may think of him, I think a pretty intelligent quarterback, and I think a lot of teams believe if we can get this thing done within the first three years of a rookie, the rookie, uh, rookie contract for the quarterback, because we know after that third year or that fourth year, big money has to be paid after that. 
Uh, I wonder if that plays a role in this as well, too. Uh, I think, again, economics economics will always play a role in these positions in the NFL. Uh, so I, I've always thought about that with, with what Russell Wilson did uh, with Seattle. You know what, Dave, you bring up a great point. Look at these guys that really were able to develop. Aaron Rodgers dropped down. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers passed on Aaron Rodgers before Green Bay took him. And Green Bay knew, well, you know, we can sit this guy. He doesn't have to play right away. You, You look at these guys now that are really doing well in the NFL. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Fifth, sixth round pick, you know, fifth or sixth pick in the draft. He wasn't that top mm-hmm. guy coming out. You're looking at, the, you know, Josh Allen, same thing. It's not going to cost you an arm or leg to get him as a rookie. And then you got that time to develop him. And if he comes that guy, you got chance to, you know, work your contracts around so you can get players in. And if he's not that guy, you can let him go. So yeah, yeah I Joe, I think I, I think you're right on with that. That uh, you know it's it's win now because uh, the NFL stands for not for long, and you're not going to be a coach mm-hmm. for long if you don't win. And I think the Bengals yeah, think, got to the Super Bowl on Burrow's rookie contract. I think I, I might not have that right. Yes, yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, I think they those, did. those I mean, economic that's... decisions you have to make because you got to pay the quarterback, or as Leo says, move on to the next guy. So you got to yeah. you got to strike while the iron's hot. You really do. And these quarterback contracts are $50 million, $55 million a year. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the benchmark that was set by Mahomes and then having an open-ended contract where they, they it moves up, you know, so that you're always the highest-paid quarterback in the league once the next guy gets his deal. And Herbert just got his deal, and, and Burrow just got his deal. And you see a lot of teams doing that. They're they're depending on these, these first-round picks to get them there quick. You know, and there is mm-hmm. no time. To do that because that way they do have the rest of the cap to spend on defense and other positions and things like that. And, and if a player like a Rodgers is eating up one sixth of your cap space, you know that, that that does hamstring you, and then you're going to be dependent on 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 lesser players and other positions. Some of them very important positions. So I think that also plays into it. But let me mm-hmm. let me shift gears a little bit and talk a little NCAA football because uh, I know that we're next year the 2024-2025 season. Uh, we are you're going to see an entirely different format for college football. Um, in your opinion, I'll start again with, with you, Dave. Uh, you know, the college players need to be paid. Uh, knowing, you know, I, I mean, is this? I mean, the NIL seems to be so impactful uh, to what people are, you know, and, and we just we we see it playing out. Uh, is this a, a place where they they need to be paid? I mean, it sounds to me like they have a right to be paid. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, what, what are your thoughts on how this NIL stuff has really kind of played out this year in the last 18 months, maybe? Well, again, the fact that there's no leadership from the NCAA on this means that NIL is pretty much – it's like the Wild West. Uh, you've got you've got teams making up rules. You've got conferences making up rules. You've got, you know, you've got guys now in athletic departments who are, like, responsible for setting up these, these NIL deals. I think the one thing, and it's, it's sort of a long-term impact in all this, is – you know, you used to be able to go to a booster and say, look, you're you're a big fan of the football team, but, you know, write a check to the athletic department. And now the booster gets to write a check directly to the athlete. So the athletic department in some ways is being hurt by that as well, too. I think as long as there's no national – as long as there's no national consensus on this about how players should be paid, um, NIL is going to have to kind of do. Uh, I'm out here in Colorado, and 
Uh, Deion Sanders' son is driving a $200,000 car on Boulder, the Boulder campus every day, too. Uh, so I think that's an example of, of how NIL is working or not working, depending on how you, you you deal with it. I believe the payers should be paid. It raised a whole bunch of other questions about what compensation looks like and workers' comp and a bunch of other issues, which I think the colleges don't really want to get into. As long as the NCAA isn't, isn't out there setting any guidelines, I don't see the system changing. I really don't. Now you mentioned Dion, and I think that's an important bridge to my next question for Leo because, I, you know, I, I think that's the worst of the worst. I think in the beginning it was cute and everybody was excited about what Dion was bringing to, to Colorado. And then, you know, it just got – it went over the top. And, and I think they jumped the shark and talking about – you know, just hearkening back to while well, he was basically firing his players when he was coming in to you're not going to be here, so I don't need to talk to you, or even admitting that he's not even going to go recruit uh, you know, high school players because he's just going to get them to transfer in. Uh, and, Leo, I, to that point, I mean, do, do teams – and I'm not, I don't want to peck on Colorado because that's, that's unfair, but I think that's the one that everybody would refer to in 2023. But do we need to be – capping how many players can transfer through the portal every year to a single team. I mean, some of these teams, like it was a brand new team. Like there, some, some teams are up to 20 players or more transferring. It's almost like this. It's a, I think Dave described it as a, the wild west. Is it just out of control? Should, should there be a cap on the amount of players and should there be a salary cap uh, in, in many respects for some of these teams? Well, I'll I, I tell you what, you know the team that's happiest that Colorado is getting all this interest in, you know, the portal? Florida State. Florida State has 20 new guys in there. You know what? It, it was like, okay, we're going to recruit a whole new offense, a whole new defense, and the fact that it's happening is crazy. Yeah, they, they've got to do something because now not only do you have to recruit your player, you got to keep them there. And you know what, Joe? Watch what happens in the offseason. Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. You can see that. There will be a lineup that Nick Saban can pick from to go to Alabama and be his quarterback because that's what they need. They need that guy down there. And you know what? The salary cap, well, here's the biggest problem. If you look at the money the NCAA makes right now on the college football playoff, Three games. They make half a billion. I'm going to repeat that. Half a billion dollars on those three games with TV rights. Now it's going to go to 11 games. I've been told by a very informed source that that's going to be around the neighborhood, north or south of $2 billion. Now, you're going to tell the players we're not going to pay you now? Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. if that comes out, I'm going to get Mr. Alexander, who was a labor relations uh, expert <laughs> at the George Meany School of Labor Relations, and we're going to form a players' union because I'll tell you what, David, I'm going to let you take over from there because this is right for that, isn't it? Well, and, and look, we might not like what's going on in Colorado, but don't for a second believe other schools aren't – again, Leo talked about Florida State – we're going to see more of what Colorado did this year and other schools as well, too. What's the biggest criticism of what's going on in Clemson right now? They're not participating in the transfer portal because Dabo Sweeney doesn't want to bring these kids in. Look at Clemson right now as opposed to Clemson three or four years ago. You don't think there's pressure on Dabo Sweeney to jump into the deep end of the pool as well, too? Let me also say about Colorado, 
everybody's making money at Colorado this year. This program was $12 million in the red at the end of last season where they won an 11. Everybody's making money at Colorado this year. So we may not like it. This is the future in college football for sure. And I'll argue in college basketball as well too. Now, now again, you know, the, the last line of dictators in this country are college football coaches. So they don't like this because they don't have control over this. And Aleo can back me up on this. And a lot of schools, you don't get a four-year scholarship. You get four one-year scholarships. If the coach doesn't like you at the end of the year, if you don't play up to his expectations, if they find somebody better than you, they will pull your scholarship. So the thing that Deion Sanders has done that people don't like is he's pulled the curtain back. He's sort of shown what really goes on in college athletics today, and he's been pretty naked about it, which I think has upset a lot of people. I think there's other reasons with Deion, too, but we'll talk about that at another time. This is what college football is all about. And if we're talking billions of dollars and we're telling the players – We'll increase your meal money $30, okay? We'll let you get, you know, free steaks at somebody's steakhouse. With all this money's floating around out there, that's not going to work. These kids aren't stupid. They realize how the system works, and they realize they have more power now than they've had in the past as well, too. So we might not like what's going on out there, but until either Congress gets involved or the NCAA grows a pair, this is the future in college athletics. So let's just get used to it. Yeah, and, and I – I saw that there was uh, Alliance 412 out my way, which is the, the NIL group, uh, one of the NIL groups that support the University of Pittsburgh. They have a, they have a base, they've raised money to create a base salary for each employee. I think it was 50 or 60 grand or whatever it was they were raising. So it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a six-year super senior or you're a first-year freshman. Everybody coming in is making money, and they're going to make a baseline money part of that. Now, you can go out and get more. But they want to make sure that every athlete's getting paid something, and so I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting concept. But you did mention basketball, and I don't want to get off the, sh- the show without talking about basketball. So, Leo, I'll, I'll start with you this time first, you know, because I think we're coming to the end of a, a very important era in the NBA, um, and you know, Le- LeBron James isn't going to be around forever. Uh, when LeBron decides to hang him up, you know, who fills the void? He's been the face of the NBA for so long. Who fills that void uh, for the National Basketball Association? You know, I think the NBA wants it to be Curry. I don't know if he – because I'll tell you what, that's a bunch of big shoes to fill. And the problem you're having now is a lot of the NBA's really star players are not American. I mean, you got a kid coming over from France who's going to be just a tremendous player down in San Antonio. He may keep pop around for two or three more years just to watch this kid develop. You know, you got the Greek freak out in Milwaukee. It, it's, I think they want Stephon Curry to be that guy, but I'll tell you what, the shadow LeBron brings to this game when he leaves, hmm, you know, Kevin Garnett maybe, but – LeBron, there's not going to be another LeBron. So the NBA, you know, when we, we, we had Larry and the Magic and then Michael took over, I don't see that next guy. David, do you? Well, again, I think well, you hit on the point that I think the next guy, it, it, there's a very good chance the next guy is going to be a, 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 from a foreign country. I look at what Luka Doncic is doing. If they ever get their act together in Dallas, Doncic, Giannis, uh, we're waiting on to see what happens with with, with uh, Wembenyana. 
I just watched the ring ceremony with Denver and Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, uh, the the trend is 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 heading towards those guys, and, and it'll be interesting to see if if American audiences are, are going to be willing to embrace a foreign player in the way they've they've embraced. Uh, LeBron James. That's an interesting question. It really is an interesting question. We'll have to see. But I'm not, you know, again, this is where the, the game continues to grow. Um, yeah, uh, Leo raised some interesting points about, you know, who the next star is going to be. Steph is 34 now, I want to say. LeBron's 38. Steph's 34. So really looking, it's sort of the post-LeBron and Steph Curry uh, generation, who, that, who those next players are going to be. And as Leo says, most of those guys the real prominent players are foreign-born players who are kind of taking over uh, uh, the game at the professional level, at least. So interesting times in the NBA. Well, since you mentioned them, I'll make this my last question. Uh, and I, we're almost out of time here. We only have a couple more minutes. So I'll, I'll just throw this out to you, Dave, because Leo got the first question here. So this one will come to you. Since you mentioned them by name, you got Nikola Jokic. Uh, you know, how did the NBA scouts all miss on this guy? Like, it, 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 was it because he was, you know, foreign and they don't have the kind of, you know, the, the exposure that they would from someone that plays at Kentucky or Duke or UNC? Uh, you know, what, why, how did they miss him? Well, I think he didn't fit the mold. Uh, he's not an ESPN highlight guy, okay? And, again, I think you mentioned the fact he didn't come out of uh, an American college. But, he, you know, he, my daughter went to college in, in Denver, and I got a chance to see, because she's a, kind of a basketball fan, I got a chance to see Jokic play, you know, four or five years ago. And you already saw then the kind of player who's becoming that led to the NBA championship this past year. Um, but he does all the things that don't necessarily draw the highlights. Uh, he's been a two-time uh, uh, MVP, probably should have won it again. Um, he, he didn't fit the mold. I think that's probably the biggest thing. He challenged our assumptions about what a star is, but he's proven he is a star. Um, and this is, again, I think someone like Wimbayana won't just be a great scorer, but will do all those things you want players to do. Part of that, again, I think comes from that. We get back to Leo's point about that sort of foreign background where players are just designed differently. They don't have the AAU in Europe. So guys learn, I think, a different kind of basketball. But in the end, it wins. Uh, and that's the greatest testament of Nikola Jokic is a two-time NBA champion whose name is mentioned with Wilt and Bill Russell and Larry Bird when we talk about, you know, sort of playoff stuff. And he's won a title and I think a very, very good chance uh, the Nuggets are going to repeat this year too. Well, David Alexander, Leo Haggerty, again, thank you very much for being on Draft Nation tonight. We covered a lot of bases. I want to have you guys back in short order uh, so we can talk about maybe the you know, the playoffs as we get closer to – uh, you know, the uh, the NFL playoffs and some of the bowl games, get you back and start talking prospects next time. And, again, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, uh, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. Uh, gents, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming back on the show and, and uh, uh, looking forward to the next time you guys step back up. Thanks again for coming on. Well, Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I got a lot of our JFK Griffith alums listening to this, so I got to say hi to Karen. She's uh, one of our biggest supporters. Well, good, Karen. Yeah, you know, uh, love a name drop. Thanks, gents. And remember, <laughs> to our listeners, uh, while Draft Nation may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you very much. 